morning again. It's so good to be here this morning, excited for all that God is doing, and just at, just really in a place of understanding that God is doing amazing things here with each one of us, and, and uh, hearing some of your stories and knowing that what you're walking through um, and how God is moving you. When God gives us a mi mission statement, a vision for the church that says we are going to exist to move people from where they are to where he wants them to be, it sounds great. But when you actually see that begin to play out in people's lives, it is one of the most encouraging things to happen. It's powerful as your pastor to see that you are taking those steps and you're moving one step at a time. You, even if I just take one step. And some of you have gone leaps and bounds and some of y'all are just moving. And it's so, uh, it's so great. It, you just feel the presence of God moving in our lives. And you watch the Holy Spirit being able to be just unleashed inside of each one of you as you move from space to space. And so uh, if you don't know, um, that's what we do here. We just we exist to just move people and to help you. If you come to church to just be coddled, you're not, you may not like it a whole lot. Fair warning, we're going to challenge you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to love you. We're going to wrap our arms around you. But you're going to be challenged because that's what we need to be there for each other. Not con The Holy Spirit does the convicting, right? But we want to just be able to encourage one another and say, hey, God has more for your life. God wants to see you do this with your life. And we refuse to let people just be settled and settle in and get complacent. And so it's a little bit of challenge that comes along, which is healthy for each one of us. And so I love seeing God do amazing things through that. We've been enjoying this series that we're in called DNA. And as we've gone through it, we've seen God uh, work out some of the behaviors of who we are at the Avenue. So if you're new here, we're in week number six. I encourage you to go back on our YouTube channel website and watch the previous five weeks. It'll give you a really good good idea grasp on who the avenue church is but this morning i've asked brandon to speak into week number six here this morning and so would you put your hands together and welcome brandon up we all love him so much he is going to be preaching for us part number six of our dna series this morning hey buddy what's always important to turn that mic on so as is the uh, the usual i uh, made sure i didn't have any voice so i could preach today so I just asked God for that. I'm like, hey, so how about I have no voice whenever we go to two services and I preach for the first time in two services. So now that that's out of the way, can I just tell you I love you guys? And I'm glad you're here. And I apologize about my voice. I brought extra water. That's when you know uh, whoever's preaching is having like a difficult time when they got a second bottle of water. So I came armed. So before we get rolling this morning, uh, let me just tell you, this has been a great series, and obviously I'm biased because I love this church, and I don't think we do anything bad, although we all know that there's always room for growth, but I want to tell you there's some things that we've learned. How many of you guys were here last week and heard Pastor Dave's uh, message last week? It settled some stuff, I think, in us last week, and I'll tell you, even worship this morning, it changed the dynamic. You know why? Because we weren't waiting on the worship team to do something for us, Right? We came here to join them, right? We join them because we are worshiping together. And there's some stuff that we are doing in this series that really, foundationally, it's settling who we are. It's putting verbiage to it so that we can say out loud with our words, this is why we do what we do. So this morning, I want to continue on. But before we do, um, we're in this DNA series, so I just wanted to kind of recap the weeks. So first week, anybody remember what the first that first cornerstone, that first value that we have. Anybody? Anybody? That first week, Jesus over what? Everything. everything. Jesus over everything, period. 
There's no, there's no comma. There's no, except in this case, it's over everything. That second week, community is our commitment. Community is our commitment. Here's the deal. You are not called to do life alone. Uh, I heard it said one time this way. It said that even Lone Ranger had a Tonto, right? Even Lone Ranger had Tonto. You were never meant to do stuff alone. That third week, Scripture says that it is the foundation. The pastor laid that, and he said we build upon the Bible. We build our lives upon the Bible. Uh, week number four, we talked about we pursue people with our lives. People are our purpose. They're our, they are our why. Then last week, week number five, we talked about we will worship. And the reality is we will worship something, right? It's not a matter of if we worship or if or we don't worship. It's a matter of what will we worship with our lives. So this morning, I'm so glad you're here as we continue on. Today, we're going to talk about another value. This morning, we give generously. If you're taking notes this morning, I just want to tell you, there's a lot of scripture. I didn't put them up all on, all on the screens. There's a lot of them. I just want you to, if you're taking notes, make notes in there. I'm going to give you the references. But this morning, I want you to understand from the get-go, I love you, okay? I think you're wonderful, but I'm going to say some difficult stuff to you, some difficult things to you. And I'm going to tell you this because the truth is you tell people you love the truth, okay? In our lives, people who love you tell you the truth. And they tell you that at the risk of making you what? Mad, right? So I have an eight. How many of you guys know my eight-year-old Deacon? So Deacon will charm your pants off. I'm just going to tell you. He, man, he will, he will hug you, and he will, he will be your best friend in the entire world. And he will do the little blinky eyes, like little side hug, and, and do the, the big eyes at you. And I'm going to tell you what. It will melt butter, friends. It will melt butter. And it will, it will capture you. And here's, here's my challenge with it. Like I see the other piece of it, right? So it don't work on me. I'm immune. And so he gives me that hug, and I'm like, what do you want? What are you after? What do you, well, more importantly, what did you do, right? And so, but he's a great kid. He's a sweet kid, and, he, and he's just a people person. He loves being around people. He wants to be the sweetest and kindest thing. But I'll tell you what, that boy, he's got a temper. Woo! Woo! You call him out on something, like you can just see it in his eyeballs. Like he gets all tense, like a, I don't know, like a bodybuilder, like doing all that side, side stuff. Like you can see, like the muscles flexing even in his the veins in his neck all that stuff you can see it there and what i realize is this is that even at a young age we don't really like being told what to do <laughs> no one has to tell us that right how many of you guys are like me and you got opinions about things that don't even matter you know who you are like no i didn't have to tell you you knew you knew who you were before i said that right like Here's my, here's my thing. How many of you, I'm a fast food junkie, like, right, you can, so, Jesus help me, help my boys, help my appetite for crazy things, and so, uh, but I'm not going to lie, I go to a fast food joint, and before I pull up, I know what I want. How many of you guys are like that? Like, you know, you don't, you know, I don't need the menu. They could have no menu there, and I would be like, let me get a number eight, and they'd be like, yes, sir, pull up to the window, and I would pull up, and it would be right, because I know. I, I just know when I get there, I know it's right, unless they change the menu, right? And that's not fair. You can't. That's not fair. You can't do it like that way. But that's the reality in my life is that, man, I know what I want a lot of times, good, bad, or ugly. And so sometimes, especially my wife, I have the most wonderful wife in the entire world. And for those of you who know her, you know that that's, I'm not buttering her up. That is the truth. Like, she is wonderful. She is straight gold. And Jesus knew that, that I needed someone really patient. 
to put up with all of this, and she does, and she's wonderful, and she is kind, but Lori is just the opposite. We get up there, we get up there, and Lori's like, hey, can you scoot, like, either back or forward, like, three inches? I'm going to need, like, a minute and a half to two minutes to figure out which of the 47 options are going to work for me today, and guys, how many, if you're like me, then you, this is killing you. Every second feels like five minutes. So when that lady or that man comes on the intercom and says, uh, welcome to such and such, how can I help you? Like, I'm ready to go, right? I expect you to be armed with your order. Like, let's, let's make it happen. And Lori says, I just need a minute. And I'm like, God, do you really need a minute? Like, I don't ever say it out loud, but in my heart, like, that's what I mean. Like, do you really, you, you don't already know what you want right here, right now? And she's, and I can just see in her eyeball. She's like, nope, it's just going to be a minute. And so we do. We give her that minute. And we continue to be married, folks. We continue to be married. But this morning, as we talk about generosity, I want you to understand, and, and I say all that to say, to say this. Some people are opinionated. They know what they want, right? And the problem with that is sometimes they're wrong, okay? And some people are not opinionated, and they don't necessarily know what they want, and they wait on somebody to tell them, which can be wrong, right? It uproots confidence. It brings up insecurities. There's all kinds of negatives to both sides and all kinds of positives to both sides. But this morning, as we talk about generosity, I want to define it, first of all, and up on the, the, uh, up on the TVs here, Ricky, let's go ahead and throw that up there. Generosity, in its most simple form, it's defined as being open-handed. Open-handed. So this morning, as we kind of dive in this for the next, next 20, 25, 20 to 30 minutes, we are going to talk a little bit about this. But I want, as I'm talking today, I want you to have this picture in your mind of hands outstretched, okay? Hands outstretched. And I want you to think in terms of how much of my fingers need to be closed in order for it to not be open-handed, okay? How much, right? Any baseball players here? Any softball players here? Oh, I know Jess is. Jess is hardcore. You put a softball in your hand, Jess, it fills up the majority of it, right? So you get a grip there. This is for free, but I'm convinced a lot of us in church, we, do, we get really good at this, this number right here. We got a death grip, but looking from the outside, it sure does look like it's open-handed, okay? Because this is not open-handed. But in our hearts, if we're honest, sometimes this is as well. And maybe they're identical, but they just look different. And what I want to challenge you this morning is this. Open-handed references the heart. And the problem is this. You can hide your heart from somebody. You can hide your heart from somebody. And if we're not careful this morning, I think what we're going to do is we're going to dismiss and say, oh, he's just talking about money. Or he's just talking about this. And what we're going to do is we're going to do that number right there. And what I'm asking you to do before you hear one other word in your heart, I just want you to leave your hands open, okay? And I want you to not hear what Brandon says, but I want you to hear, number one, what Scripture says. And number two, I want you to hear where the Holy Spirit takes and applies to you. As an individual, as a family, as a married couple, as a teenager, as whatever it applies to, let it be applied the way he wants it to. John 3.16, the scripture that 
even a lot of people who don't even know who Jesus is know this scripture because they've seen it, seen it at football games and other places. The scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he for God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved, and because of his love, he gave. Foundational this morning, I believe, is this. Love always causes us to give. It always causes us to give. And the truth is, if you are unwilling to give, then what I would point back to is there's something, there's a love issue, not a giving issue, right? Because when someone has your heart, the answer is yes before they even ask, right? When you're married, your answer is yes before they even ask. Why? Because your love for the person says, I am for you now and tomorrow and later. So you always give a yes before it's even asked for. In this relationship with God, we are in a love relationship with him. And because of this, it is causing us to be willing to give. It is developing that thing in us. Ultimately, we'll talk about this in a little bit. But it's a product of the Holy Spirit at work in our life, causing us to want to give. Causing us to be willing to give. And on some level, causing us to give to a point of hurt. Up to a point where we even risk hurt or even being abandoned or sometimes even taken advantage of. And this morning, I believe God is going to do some stuff in us that really help us pinpoint and operationalize this value that we give generously. So Jesus, he gave open-handed. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, if you're taking notes there, 1 John 3, 16, 18, it tells us this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us as we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on, on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Jesus himself even references this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Hear this this morning, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money is dangerous, folks. Do you know why? Because we like stuff. You know what money does for us? It gives us abilities. I've talked about this before. So I'm, I'm not like a, I don't subscribe to like the high-end sunglasses market. I know some of you guys do, and it's okay. It's all right. I buy the $5 special, and I break them in, uh, like in three months, right? It's a good turnaround. And so I do, I feel like I'm getting the best on this. Some of you guys, you got your $100, $200, $300. I, I don't even know what you buy, Dave, because I don't even, I don't ask because I, I don't want to know because I don't want to judge you in my heart, right? Because I'm thinking you could have bought 60 of them, 60, like six, you could have bought 60 pair. I'm thinking you could have bought the entire church sunglasses, Dave. You could have bought, you could have bought everybody's sunglasses, but you don't because you get the, the fancy ones, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm probably wrong about that. 
I'm probably wrong. Come on now. They, they, I will say, though, in all fairness to Pastor Dave, Dave can out-frugal you guys on some things. I've seen it. When Dave wants to save some money on some things, he will wait. And I've also seen him. I've, had, I've got texts before. Dave was like, we need to buy this today. And I'm thinking, like, you mean like tonight? He's like, no, like right now. Like, stop what you're doing. Go there and buy this thing. And so, you know what? Dave, I love the balance. But you know what? Some of you guys, y'all got to work on that because all you want to do is just buy expensive stuff. But Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus gives an illustration of generosity in Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. And many of us are familiar with this. But I I really think this paints the picture for us today of living open-handed, if you will. And it says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And he also saw a poor widow that put in two very small copper coins. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts. I want you to understand this this morning. They gave their gifts out of their wealth, out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Matthew 10, 8 says, so important this morning, freely you have received, freely give. And when we give this morning, I want you to think in terms of this lady that gave. She didn't come up there saying, I have enough. Here's, I have 80, so let me just give eight, and maybe I'll give you nine. What she did is she knew that as she gave, she didn't have enough for what she needed. So there are moments in our lives where we have to make calculated decisions, right? Where we have to believe, in a sense, what does my checkbook say? Or what does God say? And how many of you guys have ever been there before? Anybody? Those are the moments when you figure out, do I really believe the Bible? Those are the moments when you figure out, do I really believe that God says what he means? Those are the moments where we figure out, is this just something I do, or is it who I am? And that's where I want to get to this morning, is I want you to move this from, this is something that I do, to it's who I am. Because when it becomes part of who you are, let me tell you you the truth, church, you can't turn off who you are. You can't turn off who you are. You know why? Because I'm just as opinionated about stuff that don't matter as I am about stuff that matters. And as much as I'm trying and Jesus is working in me, uh, I saw a movie, what what did the guy say? He said, woosah. He's like, woosah, you're right, to try and settle that thing. It made me laugh, and I was like, that's stupid, but it's still funny, right? And sometimes I get that way, but we have to figure out when it's who we are, we carry ourselves with us into that situation. So if we're going to be generous people, then we're going to be generous people, good, bad, or ugly right? It doesn't stop when it's convenient. It doesn't start when it's convenient. We need to remind ourselves that all of our resources belong to God, but he asked for the first 10% back. Church, let me tell you this morning, generosity is reminding ourselves that all 100% are his. All of it's his. Because we get real set on the idea of, well, well, tithe is, is 10%. Yes, it is. But it's 10% of what? Of 100%. 100% of his. 
And when you begin to realize that it's all his, can I tell you when he talks to you about, hey, I want you to go above and beyond, you know what happens inside of us? We are reminded it's all his. When I buy candy for my kids, and I do, I probably buy candy more than I sh should for my kids. Uh, the truth is I like candy. That's why I buy for my kids, right? Because it's called the dad tax. And some of your parents know what I'm talking about. You know, I buy you a candy, and I get a little bit of that candy, right? That's how this works. Dad, it's a convenience fee, basically. And so, anyway, I've got some candies that I really, really, really love. So one of them is Lemonheads. I don't know if you guys like Lemonheads, but, man, I think they're the bomb diggity. And so I like, I like me some Lemonheads. So if I get my kids some Lemonheads, I'm just going to say the dad tax is a little bit higher, right? It's, it runs a little bit higher that day than it normally does. But what I have to remind myself is this. The same way, the kids don't get the lemon heads unless I buy the lemon heads. So I buy the lemon heads, I give them to my kids. We got to build this picture out in our mind. Those lemon heads belong to dad before they belong to son or daughter. Okay? The fact that I transferred ownership or possession to my kid does not change the fact that they were mine. Okay? They were mine. I gave them to you. They became yours. But they're still, in a sense, mine. So what I want you to understand this morning is that your possessions, while they are in your possession, they still belong to God. So that settles that thing in us that needs to say, but it's mine, God, or I need this. or It's like, well, would you have it without him? So Galatians 5, 22 and 23 um, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Many of you guys are so familiar with this. This scripture, but I want to read it this morning to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Scripture says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So this morning, the work that the Holy Spirit does goes far beyond following the rules, church, way beyond it. In church, we have a tendency to concentrate on following the rules. Did I come to church? Did I read my Bible? Did I pray? Did I love my neighbor? Did I give? Did I serve? Checkbox, 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 and sometimes missing the whole point. What if I told you you could give and be missing the entire heart of generosity? Money's not a dirty word in church. In fact, money is not a dirty word at all. Uh, what's ironic is that money is dirty, right? Actually, it's filthy. It's disgusting, right? Don't ever, you should always wash your hands after handling money. But it's not a dirty word. It's not even a dirty word or a bad thing for us to talk about because of the fact that it shows and it points back to our heart. It points back to our heart. So today I want to challenge you with a thought. Instead of asking how much money do you have, I want to ask you the question, how much does money have you? How much does money have you? Let's pray this morning. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for your presence here today. Lord, I pray that as we are fleshing out this value and, and walking it out and really discovering what your number one, what your word has to say about it. And then Holy Spirit, as you take that and make application of it in our individual lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, God, even figuring out, God, what our finances should look like. God, as we talk about things like a budget, as we talk about things like giving above and beyond our tithe, God, I pray that you would do the work to us as individuals. God, that my voice would be heard less. 
and Holy Spirit, that your voice would be heard so clearly. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. Tithing is not generosity. You should take a picture of that. Seriously, you should take a picture of that. And you should remind yourself that tithing is not generous. Okay? Let me ask you this. How many of you got... Um, I'll, I'll just be... I'll, I'll be transparent here. So when I get home in the evenings, um, I've got one spot on the couch. And Lori knows if I hit that spot, it's game over. <laughs> it is. It is. So game over. So... Uh, the number one thing that I have to remind myself when I get home is don't go sit in my spot. Because if I go sit in my spot, uh, guess what? I am not. I'm not helped to dinner. I'm not helped to homework, which the truth is I'm not helped to homework anyway. Um, but that's just, that's, that's, a, that's a specific thing for our home dynamic, right? Just because Lori's a teacher and she's really smart and I'm not as smart. And I don't even understand half the stuff that eighth graders do. But so Garrett asked me and I'm like, I don't know, did you Google it yet? Like, did you watch the YouTube video on it? And he's like, well, that's not how the teacher said to do it. I'm like, you got to ask your mom, brother. And he does, and she helps him. But we got that, then we got bath time, then we got getting him in bed, all that good stuff. So if I hit my spot on the couch, guess what I don't do? Dinner, homework. Bath time, bedtime, any of those things. So question for you, those of you husbands that are like really, really on top of it, really with it, right? If I do all those things, did I do my wife a favor? We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> For anybody waiting, right, the fill-in is no, right? <laughs> fill it in. The answer is no. You did not do your wife a favor. Or maybe in your, in your household, the husband is the one that takes care of a lot of that stuff, and the wife does other things. So in this scenario, you're not doing them a favor by doing what you are supposed to, Okay? So oftentimes with our finances, people feel like, well, I'm giving to God. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Did you need to feel like giving to God or did you just do it because you knew that it was the right thing to do, that what God had asked you to do? Not, not to answer out loud, but for you, let me ask you that. Did you need to feel it? Did you need to feel like, man, God, I'm going to tithe today? Or is it something that is so established and settled in you? that it is not emotional, it is just practical, right? It's rational, this is something that I do because it's part of who I am. And what I want you to understand this morning is if we will settle that the tithe is not a gift back to God, it is simply doing what God asks us to do. It's simply faithfulness. I would submit that as a husband, it's my job to support my family. So to support my wife, my kids, all those things. So what that means for me is that, heck yeah, I should help with, uh, with dinner. I should help with homework as much as I can. I should help with cleaning the dishes. I should help with all these things. Why? Because it's called being a good spouse. I would define it another way. 
I would call it being faithful. It's called being faithful. Let me tell you a secret. You don't need to be applauded for being faithful. Right? If I get up and help my wife that night, she doesn't need to say, oh, honey, spectacular job. You killed it today. You were awesome. Thank you for all your help doing all the stuff that I normally do without your help. Right? Did y'all feel, did y'all feel a little bit of, little, that little bit of jab there? Right? Right? Kudos to you for doing the thing I do every single day of my life, right? And yet somehow in regards to finances, we have turned this into, God, I'm giving this back to you as worship to you. And that's, that's great. In fact, some of our verbiage is we worship God with our giving, right? We worship God with our tithe and offerings. So we worship God with that, but it doesn't have to be an emotional thing. Why? Because he already told you to do that apart from emotion. You don't have to feel it. You can feel it or don't feel it. It doesn't matter. You can be rich or poor. It doesn't change one piece of it. Why? Because it's fact. It's operating in obedience. It is being faithful. And when we will establish that, and I'll just, I told you I loved it this morning. I was going to say some hard things to you. If you're, not, if you're not tithing, why? What are you waiting on from God to tell you something different than he's already told you? I know your kids are, are way better than mine, or maybe you're just way better at parenting than we are. But my, I swear, my kids don't hear stuff till the third time, at least, at least the third time. And I'll just pick on Deacon today because, God, he's so cute. Hey, Deacon, I want you to go take your shoes because he's the world's worst about the shoes. Y'all got a kid like that, that just the shoes, they just come off where they come off, and they stay there. They don't move. They're like glued in that spot. But that shoe, it does not move. Hey, Deacon, we pick up your shoes. And the eyeballs are there, right? The eyeballs are there. Like, I know it made it, right? Because the eyeballs saw my eyeballs. And that's how you know as a parent, right? If the eyeballs see my eyeballs, then that's communicating. You understood that I said something, and there should be a response back, right? So I saw eyeballs, so I'm like, I got confirmation. He got it. Five minutes later, shoe's still there. Hey, Deacon, we take care of your shoes. And my favorite thing about this kid is this. If you know him well, you know, he goes like, yeah, dad. And like, he gets up real fast and he will like run around and do something. I don't know. Like you would think that you would go straight to the shoes, right? If I ask you, just go get the shoes. Your response would be like, cool, dad, I'll go get the shoes. And he goes to get the shoes. But for whatever reason, he gets up, does something else, go runs around, high energy, bouncing off the walls and still the shoes remain. So a couple minutes later, hey, Deacon, at this point, like everything passive aggressive in me, like it's real, right? At this point, I'm going to be like, hey, buddy, you, you see those things? Those things, do you remember us talking about those at any point? I don't know, say in the last 10 minutes, do you, do you remember a conversation about those shoes right there? And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And finally, he will grab them and take them there. And can I tell you, as a parent, I'm not even glad he did it at that point. I'm just exhausted that I had to tell him so much. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Is it possible 
that Holy Spirit's almost kind of backed off of it a little bit because you've been waiting on the most magical way to be motivated to do something that he already told you to do. That he's like, God, do I really have to tell you to pick up your shoes again? How about when it comes to your finances, finances, you just settle this thing. It's God's. It's God's. Good, bad, or ugly. Whether I got a million dollars sitting in the bank or whether I have $73 or even whether I'm overdrafted. I'm going to do what I can. And listen, there are moments in our life, there are moments in our life where we legitimately have reasons to have to pray and process. And I'm not discounting those. But what I want you to understand is this. It's also possible that you could have made some different decisions. Did you really need that third trip to Wendy's? Because God, I know those spicy chicken sandwiches are to die for. They're legit, man. I'll drive all the way to Kingwood to get a spicy chicken sandwich until they build the new Wendy's right there. I love me some of those. Sometimes we got to figure out, God, what are you after in me? Because when it comes to our money, ultimately, you know what money does? It tells us what we care about. It does. As stupid as it sounds, God, I love fast food. Right, Lori? She's like, what a moron. She's like, I love him, but seriously, I do, man. And some of you have stuff like that in your lives. You love some stuff. And it's causing you and it's putting you in a bad spot. I want to kind of bring this thing in this morning. Don't do what's just expected of you. Go above and beyond. What is expected of you is not generosity, it's faithfulness. See, God desires obedience and rewards faithfulness. Colossians 3 23 through 24. Go back and read it whenever you get a chance. It talks about this. He desires obedience and he rewards faithfulness. However, generosity starts when you cross the finish line of faithfulness. It starts there. You run your marathon. You get to the end. Now it starts. Craig Rochelle said it like this. He said, it's what I do with, it's what I do after I have given my best that makes a difference. I'm going to give my best and then after that, it's the overtime stuff. Justin, you know what I'm talking about. When you go to overtime, that's when you find out what players are made of. Because they never planned for overtime. You just experience overtime as it comes. You got to get through the fourth quarter, and then if it's opportunity, then you go at it. Generosity requires of us that after we have run the race, after we've been faithful, then we go there. That's why it is spirit-driven, because it cannot be measured. Faithfulness, tithing, it can be measured, but generosity can't. It's a hard thing. That's why he's after it. That's why Jesus 
focus there in Luke 21 that he says this because he needed to get you to understand the intent behind it. It wasn't about how much she put in the basket. It was about how much it was to her. It was about her. I got so much stuff to get through, but keyboard's here, so we gotta, we gotta wrap this thing. If I quote Dave and I, our old uh, Bible college professor, Richard Crisco, and Pastor Richard, if you're, if you're watching, thank you for your investment in our lives. So, he said the rewards of ministry start at the second mile. They start there. Matthew 5, 17 through 20, it's so important. Jesus was telling them, basically, I have not come here to get rid of the law. I've come here to fulfill it. In other words, I've not come here to ask less of you. I've come here to ask you something different. So when you do this, is it possible that there might be more? Church, is it possible that there might be more? When you do what you're supposed to, is it possible that after that, the next step might be something more? Might be, could be. God, is it that you're saying that there might be more? So Jesus, he said it like this in verse 21 of Matthew 5. He said, you have heard it said, but I tell you, can I tell you, church, there's a but. There is always a but after there. There's something else. Tithing is what you've heard. Generosity is Jesus saying, but I tell you. I want you to catch this. In verse 27, he said it again. He said, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. In verse 31, he said, again, you have heard it said, but I tell you. Verse 33, it has been said, but I tell you. Jesus is saying, don't stop here. You're just getting started. Verse 38, he said, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one to them. If anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt and hand it over, your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Church, if you've just been doing what you're expected to, there's more. With your money, let's be specific here. If you've just been doing what you're expected to, then I want you to settle this thing in your heart. I'm not doing God a favor when, I'm been, when I do what he already told me to do. When Deacon picks up his shoes off the ground, he's not doing me a favor. He's being obedient. And there is a big distinction. When you are obedient, all it is reinforcing is that the relationship is right. The relationship's right. So because the relationship's right, whenever the ask comes, right? Whenever the opportunity comes, the relationship's right, and it can be received. Because here's what I know. There are people in my life who, if they ask me for anything, the answer is yes. And there's other people who, if they ask me for stuff, I'll be like, I don't know. Because relationships trumps duty every single 
time. Tithing answers the question in our hearts of who does it belong to, but generosity tests, tests this. So the very nature of generosity means that it's going to hurt a little bit. Sharing my fries, sharing my time, using my gas, using my muscles, using my knowledge. And church, I would ask you this. If it doesn't cost you something, is it really even important to you? If it doesn't cost you anything, is it really even important? It should hurt. It should cost you something. In closing this morning, here is the test of whether I'm operating in generosity. Number one, does it hurt? Does it hurt? Does it stretch me? Number two, does it require me to have faith? Does it require me to have to believe that God is going to have to do something? And number three, this is a hard check. Do I get something back from it? Or are my hands open? Lori and I were talking last night. And she just reminded me of this thing that we, um, we, we talk with our kids a lot about. And we say, you can't steal something from someone who's willing to give it away for free. You, you can't steal it. If I'm willing to give it to you for free, you cannot take it from me. It settles the heart. We want to be a church that gives generously. The church, as Dave says so eloquently, so many times, we don't want something from you. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to be able to operate in faithfulness. We want you to be able to walk in obedience because scripture has commanded a blessing when you do what he asks you to do. Not what Dave asks you to do, not what Brandon asks you to do, but what the scriptures tell you to do. And you don't need applause. You don't need a pep squad to walk in obedience. What you can know is this, is once you cross that finish line of obedience, that's when the opportunities come. And can I tell you, just like Dave said this morning, you want to see life change in your, in your life and not just that in your family's life? Start living open-handed with your finances. My dad said it this way a long time ago. So there's two ways to check a priorities, a man's priorities. Number one is by his calendar. Number two is his checkbook. We stand with me this morning. Generosity is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Another translation says it like this. It says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. These are the indicators that the Holy Spirit is at work within us. Church, we give generously because we are living generous. With my time, with my talents, in my relationships, am I accessible? 
Is there anybody in your life who can text you at midnight and you won't get mad? Or at two in the morning and you won't get mad? God gave the minimum. God, God gave, not the minimum, but his best. I want to say it again this morning. God gave, not the minimum, but he gave his best. Because open-handed living requires that I trust the work of the Holy Spirit. See, we can live this way because he lived this way. And I want you to think for just a moment. At any moment, he could have what? He could have called down angels. He could have said, that's, that's enough of this. But I want to challenge you this. Even in your moments of pain, even in your moments of lack, even in your moments of, God, I don't know if we can do this. I want to challenge you. Live open-handed. And the truth is, you may need counsel before you go and make a crazy decision. Talk to somebody that you trust. One of those people in my life is Kevin Fry. I talk to Kevin before I make crazy financial decisions. And you know why? Because Kevin normally tells me that's a crazy financial decision. Don't do that. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray this morning. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, somebody here this morning, you might be saying, Brandon, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never given one bit. I'm not even sure who Jesus is, and, and I'm not sure what this thing is about. But if that's you this morning and you're saying, but I'm ready, I'm interested, I want to pray with you. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for, for you, but there's another group I want to pray for this morning. And that's those of you who are, you've not settled in what is God's and what's mine. And I just want to reinforce to you. Don't make God tell you two and three times to do something that he's already told you to do once. Don't make an emotional decision. Don't make it a standoff between you and him. Settle that thing in you that says, God, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be faithful. Because the reality is once you settle that thing in you, then you can begin to live the generous life. That's when it starts. This morning, if that's you and you say, Brandon, I, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. You just lift up your hand and I want to pray for you. This morning, if, if that's you and you say, Brandon, I need to settle this thing in me about finances. I need to learn how to live a life that is generous so that I can give generously. Did you raise your hand this morning? We repeat after me this morning. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Change my heart. Settle in me 
the need to run and to look elsewhere. I find in you hope, peace, and salvation. Change my life. I receive. In Christ's name. I want to pray for you this morning. Jesus, money is a big deal. It's challenging. And Father, I pray that you would remind us this morning that it's all yours. Every single bit of it. Every single bit of it. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We put your hands together this morning. Come on. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. Thank you so much for that word. Encourages us and challenges us. It helps us stay in that series and just be in that mindset and and put that DNA into your life that we will be people that give generously towards God. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you so much for being here, for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here at the Avenue. My name is Dave DeFrancesca. I'd love to meet you in the lobby as you exit in just a few moments and see you on your way out. Our next service is going to start in just a few minutes. So um, before we do, before we get that far, I want you to just know that we're able to do amazing things here at the Avenue and do all this because of people's faithfulness. Brandon touched on so much of it this morning because of our dream team and because of the contribution people make from their finances and then also from their energy and from their lives as well. So um, we love to worship God with our giving. We love to give back. Giving is another form of worship, as he said that we use to worship God with. And so on the screens, you'll see the ways you can give as well. There's a text number. It's the most popular way. I think we're up at like 75, 80% of people give via texting in as well. You can also give on the website. You can give uh, through the giving stations in the back as well.